Hello and welcome to Wise Wink with Sherwood's podcast series where we discuss themes and topics within English law. Today we are joined by Karen Cooksley, Head of Planning, and partners Colette McCormack and Lindsay Garrett, who will be discussing the changes to the classes order and the impact it has had on the general permit- permitted development order. So without further ado, Karen, over to you. I suppose the first thing that we need to say is that there are no changes to the C use class relating to dwellings and no changes to B2 general industrial or to B8, which is storage and distribution. I suppose that brings us uh, neatly to uh, what are the main changes to the use classes order. And Colette, do you want to kick off with that? Well, I suppose the main changes um, uh, are that we lose class A and D altogether. And probably the one that most people have been talking about um, recently is the new class E. So um, class E um, subsumes some of the previous uses. So we see classes A1, 2 and 3 falling to um, the new E class. We see B1 fall into the new E class. And we see some elements of D1 and D2. So we've got this very... Um, general broad e-class with you know as planning lawyers with um various um and uh, various types of planning uses all falling in within the same use class which as we know um you know allows movement between different classes so certainly it's going to be a challenge for um uh, local authorities i think and looking at that but importantly we also see some use classes um, falling out of the use class order and becoming sui generis. So we see um, use class A4 and 5, um, you know, which were drinking establishments and hot food takeaways, possibly from a, um, from a planning application um, perspective, some of the most controversial in terms of um, neighbourhood uses, in terms of, um, you know, kind of litter and neighbourhood uses, they now fall outside of the A use. They don't fall into the new E class. So they're now um, sui generis, so you would need um, express planning permission now to secure those uses. And Linz, what else have we got? We've also got another new use class, class F, and that's split into two classes, F1 and F2. F1 uh, deals with learning and non-residential institutions, so that will be probably still quite familiar to most people. It's education and schools, museums, public libraries, that kind of thing. And then we have a new um, subclass within the F class, F2, which is a local community use, which we've not seen before. And that seeks to protect small community shops, um, albeit with certain restrictions, um, indoor and outdoor swimming pools, meeting places, um, and outdoor sports and recreation associated with the local community. Um, why, why has that new F class been brought in? Well. F, there's, there's nothing particularly new about F1, but F2, I think, um, is, has been brought in in order to give protection to local, local facilities and local community uses that are important to people. And so by creating um, a single use class for, the, for, the, for that use, it means that you have to get planning permission to create that use. You have to get planning permission to change that use. So it, it gives protection to those important facilities that, that local people um, need. Okay, and what about for, you, for the one you mentioned, new class E, Colette? Well, I think that's interesting because um, there's been um, there's been discussions for a long time regarding, you know, what do we do with the high street? What do we do with retail? 
um, you know, and, and trying to make planning, you know, more flexible. We, you know, we as planning lawyers support kind of flexibility and speed. And I certainly think there's um, some some of the new um, use class in in the classes in E is to to allow that that flexibility, that change. I think around the high street and our and our town centres. Interestingly, though, it doesn't actually um, it doesn't actually um, limit these changes or the, the flexibility of this new use class to just the town centres and the um, the areas of concern. And yes, there's, there's no spatial dimension, is there, in, in the use classes. It applies throughout England to all lands and buildings. So um, whilst um, a local plan might try to allocate particular uses in particular areas, which is, of course, um, to be done in accordance with, with policy, the use classes just allows um, use classes to, to flex for different, land, uh, different lands and buildings, um, wherever they may be, and, and that, that is part of the concern with these changes and the flexibility given by class E. Indeed. So when do these changes come into effect? When, when do we need to start worrying about this, Lindsay? Well, so the changes come in on the 1st of September, so, so very soon. But what it means if you've got an application, planning application in already, an application for a full or outline permission or an application for permission in principle or reserved matters, that application and um, whatever use you are seeking for um, should continue to be determined in accordance with the old use class regime, um, and, and and that will be that will continue. And that is um, the, the, the local authority has no discretion in relation to that. It must determine it in accordance with the old regime. I think one one of the other points to, to bear in mind as as applications are going through however is that obviously local authorities are aware of these new use classes that are coming in and they may seek um, through the course of those applications to restrict those uses in some way by conditional section 106 obligation um, because they will be looking ahead to see potentially how those uses might flex if they fall into say the new use class e but Looking at 1st of September, post 1st of September, as you quite rightly say, Lindsay, um, the new use classes um, comes into effect and um, existing uses then have to be read in the context of that new use, the use class. So if you've got an existing A3, then that will then be read as um, a um, E-use um, and then you'll get the flexibility of that E-use. Um, but interestingly, um, I think you, you touched on a point I think that which is going to become even more important um, going forward is um, the use of conditions um, by local planning authorities and the, the looking at what what the description of development says. Um, I think if um, looking at um, applications that are pre 1st of September, um, if the use hasn't been assessed in, in, the, in the class E, then one can see why a local planning authority may start to um, restrict that, that, that use because that use hasn't actually been assessed. Um, but then that comes on to the point we were discussing in, in our, our team recently, um, Karen, that, that you were talking about, you know, the, the use of conditions and, and the government's intention for Classy. Indeed. I mean, I think that the government is specifically regulating um, for a particular situation and wants flexibility and therefore um, will be sympathetic in situations where 
uh, applicants are asking for uh, that flexibility and it is being unreasonably denied by local planning authorities. So I think, I think one of the other points that we should highlight is um, obviously after the 1st of September for, for planning applications that are submitted after the 1st of September they will be governed by the new use class regime and it does beg the question what happens particularly in relation to an outline application because if you are submitting your reserve matters approval after the 1st of September, you are looking back at an outline that was granted pre the 1st of September and governed by the, the old use class regime. So that does raise questions about what is going to be acceptable in terms of reserve matters for uses that were granted under the old use class regime. So that there's a need there for detailed uh, investigation and consideration of policy and law uh, as, as we move forward with this uh, on a scheme by scheme basis. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we use use classes commonly in conjunction with permitted development rights, don't we, under the general permitted development order, which makes it easier in given circumstances to change between different use classes. Um, in order to take, a, take advantage of permitted development rights, there must have been an actual lawful use um, of the use that's permitted to be changed from into something else. Uh, for example, C3 to B1 under Schedule O of the General Permitted Development Order. Um, so you either need to show a continued lawful use or have a planning permission or have a certificate of um, lawful use in order to be able to take advantage of the committed development rights. Committed development rights are a kind of national planning permission. Um, so anyone can take advantage of them. In some circumstances, however, you may find that the local planning authority has, for whatever reason, imposed what's called an Article 4 direction, which excludes the right to use those permitted development rights. So that's always worth checking. It's not absolutely automatic that you, you are allowed to make those changes. And each uh, of the permitted changes is structured so that you are told precisely what's permitted, specifically what is not permitted, and any conditions which apply in relation to that particular permitted change of use. Um, I think one of the things that we need to know is when is the when are the new use classes uh, going into going to come into effect with uh, the permitted development rights order? Do we know that yet? Well, well, we don't actually. We we don't have permitted development rights for the new use classes, um, and we won't do until the thirty first of July, twenty twenty one when the government says it will have brought in for consultation the new PD rights. So after the 1st of September this year, um, you will have um, the PD rights that you had on the 31st of August, um, depending on, on what use um, your building fell into, and you will have that PD right up until the 31st of July next year. So you continue to have your old PD rights up until July next year okay. and then after that we will have the new PD rights, the new use classes. But isn't that like most transitional um, provisions, um, there's an element, there's, it, it's almost introducing an element of uncertainty 
because we're going to be looking forward um, at, at, at um, post 1st of September and having to read the old use classes into the new use classes. And then when we're looking at PD rights, we're going to have to look backwards and we're going to have to look at the new use class and then look backwards at the old one. Um, and and it, I suppose it also begs a question that, um, you know, we're still without an amendment to the MPPG and the MPPF on this. Um, and um, I suppose until we get that information, um, we, we are, we are, it's going to be open to um, an element of uncertainty, I suppose. I think that's absolutely right. The government is saying that it will bring in that guidance before the new use classes take effect on the 1st of September. Um, they obviously don't have very much more time left to do that. And are there any other things that we need to think around about around use classes and permitted development rights? Yes, I think it's, you know, should always be borne in mind that if you're changing a use, you might also require some sort of physical alteration to your property. So going from an office use to a restaurant use, for example, might require a flue or ventilation or something like that that requires an, an alteration to the external facade. So planning permission may still be needed um, in parallel to whatever change of use you're trying to implement. You need to still have regard to the list of building consent regime where the list of building um, consent is required. There are licensing requirements um, and they may actually come to the fore where um, local authorities now don't have the planning control um, for these types of changes of use. Um, we've talked about Article 4 directions. Um, there's also um, conditions and Section 106 obligations. Um, which might be relevant in terms of determining whether or not you can change your use. And, and on top of, I think on top of the, um, the issues, and I do think conditions are going to become, um, you know, uh, particularly important in descriptions of development, um, but also um, in terms of um, land use um, and leases, um, you know, I think our, you know, our real estate um, clients and our real estate colleagues they're going to have to start looking at how they've defined um, use classes in their leases um, whether they are um, open and just referring to a, a class um, whether they want to restrict those uses um, but there's certainly there's certainly going to be some drafting issues around um, around leases and whether landlords want um, their properties to be able to flex in the way that planning is going to allow them and again i know we were talking about this recently karen and and, and i think you picked up a, uh, an important point about portfolio holders of, of land uses uh, yes I, I i think you know we we all know of um streets which specialize for example in high-end shopping um for example regent street in london or um specialist streets where uh, a, a more local, more independent offering has been curated and put together very carefully by the landlord. Um, they will not want to see changes being made without their permission. And it's also, I think, worth uh, mentioning the restrictive covenant regime for freehold titles, which may well uh, restrict or be used to restrict the uses to which uh, a property can be put. And all of those things, as, as well as existing planning conditions and planning obligations, will need to be checked out before one embarks on trying to use the use class ratchet or permitted development rights. I think that's all we've got to say at the moment uh, about these changes. They are important. 
Um, they're going to be important to all real estate and development clients, to licensing clients, uh, to landowners and, and landlords and tenants. And um, we're here um, to help and to give advice should you need any. To our listeners, thank you for listening. As always, we are available via email, LinkedIn or Twitter. You can reach us at marketing at wslaw.co.uk or message us on our social media channels. The handle is at wslaw. And let us know, what would you like to hear more about? Until next time, keep safe.